hello, hello, hello. You're listening to Student Radio Mastic on 107.5 FM. That was U2 with their song Zuropa from their 1993 album. In fact, you're listening to Student Radio Mastic from our new location on Bankasrat. Um, today, uh, I'm, I'm joined by my co-host, um, Leon. Hello. Um, Sophia, can you please introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Sophia. I'm new at the student radio. I'm 20 years old and a global study student. So Perfect. as Leon from the same study and they brought me here. <laughs> so I'm new. Everything is very exciting. The way it should be. And yes, Leon, indeed. you're also doing global well, studies, right? Yes, I'm doing global studies. And unlike Sophia, it's not my first time on radio. Perfect. And on tech, we have Zaki. So thank you very much for the, for the role in, Zaki. Uh, no problem. I'm always glad to help. Thank you very much. And today we are here to talk about uh, a very, very popular topic called the Sustainable Development Goals. Uh, of, of course, you've probably heard about it and I'm really lucky to be joined by um, two students studying Global Studies, so very much on the uh, on the topic here. And as you all know, there's, there's a lot of points in the Sustainable Development Goals. It contains around 17 to 18 points. One of them is just about making partnerships, so it's generally excluded. Uh, but we will not be going through each individual point, but basically having a more broader critical uh, view on the topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the things, yeah, indeed, it's got like around well, 17 goals, 169 targets, 232 indicators. It, it really gets, it gets biblical at some point. Uh, and also kind of a divergent situation, which I'm not very comfortable with. Um, but yeah, do, do you guys have anything to say before we go into the next song? Or well, we, already a big red flag uh, to have the word sustainable included in the development goal name. Absolutely, already a big, absolutely. big flag to have the word development included. I am so glad yeah. you mentioned that because indeed we, we will see or uh, look into what we are trying to sustain and what are we trying to develop. Um, Hint, not very anti-capitalist or anti-colonialist. No, well, not necessarily, but it's, it's just a critical view indeed. Um, we will also go into like a little bit in the beginning to discuss a background about the Millennium Development Goals following the first song, uh, and also the general intentions behind the Sustainable Development Goals. Uh, but for now, I think we will uh, slowly slip into the second song. I will say though that I'm that I made a te- I made a small technical mistake mistake so the songs that are listed I I accidentally skipped this accidentally skipped the second song so we're going right into Gangsta's Paradise as opposed to Lessons Learned but luckily because I planned ahead there is another song at the end which is Controversy by Prince so we will be ending with that perfect perfect but um so yeah the next song is as I mentioned before uh, Gangsta's Paradise by Coolio hope y'all enjoy or should I start now or are we going to do a conversation okay cool let's play it now enjoy hope y'all enjoy it. I really hate the trip, but I gotta low. As 
they croak, I see myself in the pistol smoke, fool, I'm the kind of cheater, little homies wanna be like on my knees in the night, saying prayers in the street light. They got me facing, I can't live a normal life I was raised by the street, so I gotta be there with the hood team Too much television watching, got me chasing dreams I'm an educated fool with money on my mind Got my tin in my hand and a gleam in my eye I'm a locked out gangster, set tripping banker And my homies is down, so don't arouse my anger Fool, death ain't nothing but a heartbeat away I'm living life, do or die, what can I say? I'm 23 now, but will I live to see 24? The way things are going, I don't know Tell me why are we so blind to see That the ones we hurt are you and me After minute, hour after hour, everybody's running, but half of them ain't looking. It's going on in the kitchen, but I don't know what's cooking. They say I got to learn, but nobody's here to teach me. If they can't understand it, how can they reach me? I guess they can't, I guess they won't, I guess they front. That's why I know my life is out of luck, fool. This is Sean Parmeshwaran, your co-host today with uh, Leon and Sophie. Sophia? Sophia. Sophia and Zaki on tech. Thank you very much for the Gangsta's Paradise from their album, 19, Fantastic Voyage from 1995. Uh, we, we, will, we will come back to the song in the next section, but uh, first we would like to go through a little bit about the history of SDGs. So it doesn't go that far back. It started off sometime in the late 60s with this Norwegian person uttering the word sustainable development. We still don't know what that means. Uh, but in the meantime, there's been a lot going on, something called the Millennium Development Goals, which had to deal with almost every problem known to man, going from, from poverty to, to migration to no, no, a hunger, disease, schooling, gender, environment, and governance. Uh, 
And at the end of it, it, it turns out that the, um, the Millennium Development Goals were concluded in 2015 on, in a sort of modest way with, with mixed um, success. And one of the most positive things to come out of that was um, that it, it raised awareness and something to do with accountability I don't really understand. Uh, and also has improved metrics, it got social feedback and increased public public pressures. And this is from The Lancet uh, in 2012, uh, published by Jeffrey Sachs. We will be referring to Jeffrey Sachs uh, one or two more times <laughs> during the show as well, because he has been publishing uh, um, quite some critical papers on the topic. Um, so yeah, uh, but this is not something you learn in global studies, right? You don't touch Millennium Development Goals at all. We actually do. You do? Oh, cool. Yeah, in some kind of way, like mainly that they were not really like, I mean, when you set yourself goals, then you should normally achieve them and the millennial goals were not achieved. So I guess that we kind of criticize this, yes? Okay. Yes, okay. and talking also about the sustainable development goals, like you mentioned the Norwegian dude, whose mm -hmm. name I don't remember either. Yeah, Birkeland uh, or something. Yes, about, yeah. that was very much in the readings, so... Yay. Yes. On topic. <laughs> yes. Yes. No. But there are there are a couple of uh, critical points that we would like to touch upon. First of all, is uh, what what comes out of again, like I mentioned, Jeffrey Sachs' paper. Now he also wrote um, a book in 2020 called uh, "Speaking Truth to Power," uh, where unfortunately I feel that you're still accepting this sort of status quo of power, um, and some of the critical points that that came out of this this uh, this book and his publications were that were were the technical feasibility so like is it actually possible to achieve the mm -hmm. sustainable development goals whatever that means um by 2030 um is it is it affordable this is an interesting question as well because whatever is affordable um yeah by who uh that would be something And then I'm also wondering, because now when you look at the UN websites for the SDGs, there are like really big banners about COVID-21 and stuff. So do you reckon this would be like, um, could be used as an excuse to not achieve certain goals? Oh, for sure. I mean, the EU uses COVID as an excuse all the time to push back anything related to climate change. So I could see it easily in 2030, like, oh yeah, but do you remember the pandemic? Like that totally in the beginning phase, Uh, made it impossible for us to actually catch up later, da, 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 whatever needs to be said. Yeah. So that you can turn into another, oh, we, but we raised awareness, so it's not totally wrong. <laughs> like, we did get something done, but I'm just wondering, like, what does awareness or accountability do in the end if you I don't, don't actually get, like, anything done? And I also wonder, right, like, this, this idea of raising awareness, I mean, I'm pretty sure my grandparents knew about, like, negative consequences of doing stuff differently say in the farm um like they used to have a biogas plant they would like use the 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 manure from the from the cow the cow dung to generate methane and cook on it use it as a light and then used to manure the plant so they obviously had a good idea of what they're doing so um the awareness bit I, I'm, i'm not entirely sure if that was even necessary but now it is um, to me it sounds like an excuse to make it uh very political Mm -hmm. Yeah, and for whom are they formulated? I mean, like, whom do they reach? Do they reach your grandparents? Like, I mean, my grandparents, for example, they have no idea what the Sustainable Development Goals are. And isn't it, like, a very privileged part of the population, like, on the whole planet, basically, that they are addressed to, basically, or that would actually read them and consider them? So is it, like, a very privileged kind of version of, like, talking about 
um, global issues? Yeah, yeah, that's that's uh, that's a, that's the impression I'm beginning to get as well. Indeed, if this is really open, is if it, on one hand it seems to be indeed more privileged, but on the other hand, I also feel that now, just like with COVID, when everyone became a genetic expert, including myself. I mean, hey, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm wondering if in a couple of years' time, if we will all be climate change experts and still no solution. <laughs> I actually doubt it. <laughs> I would oh, hope so. Th- th- that's at least probably the best case scenario. <laughs> at least if everyone was a uh, climate change expert, we could actually get some uh, legislation done, I hope. Uh, but I'm a bit too cynical for that. Fair but enough. The uh, sustainable yeah. development goals kind of remind me of like online activism in the sense. Of like, oh yeah, we're raising awareness for this issue. And then the concrete actions are... Uh, yeah. But very much lacking. Just a yeah. question for you yeah. too. Like, did they raise your awareness? Like, did you become more aware of the issues that they actually address, or was it just for you like another thing that the United Nations did? Yeah, to me at least, it was something that they should have done long time ago. Like, it was not. I was I was not not aware of it before I heard it from the UN. <laughs> um, yeah, same for me. Like, yeah. I don't think it, it addressed any new issues for me. Yeah, I mean, I think that's something that just happens in general. I mean, I think. People generally are aware. People who are actually generally very affected by the issues are going to know what the issues are long before any government entity is going to, you know, actually address it. So, I think that's just yeah the way things are. Honestly, let alone the UN. Exactly. Yeah. True. 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 And by the time it's there, it's already too late. I feel. The other thing I'm wondering about is, um, like, because we are now trying to sort of within quotes prevent climate change. Again, I don't know what that means. Uh, during climate change. So we're trying to prevent something while it's happening. Yeah, no, I think we gave up on preventing <laughs> climate change a long time ago. Like, like even in middle school, it was always taught already that, yeah, it's going to happen, but let's uh, slow it down to the point where like the uh, genera- two generations after us might still have a livable planet, but the rest after them uh, hopefully are somewhere in space with Elon Musk. <laughs> Yeah, and then and then we'll probably have something called universal sustainable development goals. I don't know. Yeah, or maybe universal like development goals. They're extended above and beyond, like to the universe. No, just Absolutely. kidding. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if that was a thing, because if you look at the number of let's, let's say satellite debris in space, yeah, so I'm pretty sure there's got to be something covering. I mean, yeah, at some point we're not going to be able to get out of Earth because of all the uh, clutter around. Yeah. Yeah. But actually, like, talking about climate change, which we just did, like, I think, or for me, it's not about climate change. It's about a climate catastrophe that is happening right now. So it's not only about, like, preventing the process, the ecological process that is happening, but it's rather about saving lives. And I think that's pretty important to address that. So actually, I think that there is also a good thing about the sustainable development goals in some kind of way, because they address the topic on a global level. I'm so glad you mentioned that because yeah, it's, it's always good to have like say the like I mentioned earlier on like the both sides of the argument. Uh, although I think the UN has a pretty big platform, so but it's always good to indeed um, mention yeah the other side of the argument as well. One of the, one of the things I read about uh, when I was reading through the general descriptions of this kind of goals was that they keep it ambiguous on purpose, which I felt was okay. That's an interesting take, as in. So they're trying to say that if if we aim for the stars, we can reach the moon. Um, but that's assuming that they're all in the, in the same line. Because uh, <laughs> at, at one point, if the, if the moon's behind you and you're going to the stars in front of you, it's a problem. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, 
I mean, uh, for us, right now we're actually discussing like, governance quite a bit. And there, uh, maybe the main points, like any kind of multi, like super, um, supranational agreements is that everything has to be vague and state sovereignty has to be the number one thing mentioned on literally any, any agreement before they can actually go into anything. So to me, it seems a bit like like an excuse because they could not agree on like what metrics exactly do they need to reach yeah. or like what actions need to be taken. So leaving it vague, it's easier to agree with. I also feel that leaving it vague means it's, it's harder to fail because then you can always say, yeah, this is what we meant by that. I mean, there are these, like I mentioned earlier, like this myriad of targets and indicators. Um, and of course, you're going to reach some of them, even by accident, I suppose. Um, but indeed, like these are these are very much questionable, let's say, um, directions to take. Um, one of the other things that I wanted to mention now is, uh, again, about Jeffrey Sachs' paper, now in Nature 2020 which I have to say I'm a bit disappointed to see um, Nature publishing this paper, which was entirely based on, on statistical correlation reasoning, which I thought was a bit strange. But one of the things that he uh, pointed out was that there could be trade-offs uh, between, say, well-being and sustainable development goals. So that also then sort of uh, makes me wonder about what are those trade-offs? What would those trade-offs look like? Look like whose well-being and whose well-being exactly? Um, yeah, I, I mean, to me, that sounds like that. That I, it's very. I feel like it's very easy for someone who is already in a point of privilege to say to bring these things up. Um, and it's also, I mean, I think I, 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 I'm thinking of this one video um, by Philosophy Tube on YouTube where they, where they, where, where, she, where she mentioned, where she was, was really about how about um about climate grief and um how you know it's it's something that we know is going to happen in the future but we're not going to be affected by it we might not necessarily be affected by it and so it's like okay it's something it's a risk that maybe in the future it's so it's not necessarily real to us yet but so okay how do we then limit ourselves in order to make something to make us to make us you know be able to continue as a people forever you know but to me the notion seems kind of uh, unrealistic right i mean if you continue on the current trajectory so like something i don't know if it sounds uh, super speculatory or whatever uh, just a heads up for the listeners but apparently like uh, in by like 2065 if we don't seriously address climate change 90 percent of humanity will be dead assuming starting from the least privileged first and yeah, then building up likely. to the billionaires yeah, and but the still. question here is like, who is accountable for that? Like, who is it? And also, I'm wondering then, will those deaths be then attributed to climate change, or would it be attributed to say political instability? Would it be attributed to say financial problems? Could it be attributed to say a pandemic? Um, or wars mm. resulting from climate change? Exactly, resources. exactly. So the causes of climate change are then interfering with the. With the, let's, with the so-called mitigation actions, which I, f I find this word fascinating that when companies use terms like mitigation, it's like, are we just mitigating the effect of climate change on our own business? Like, we want to continue doing this in spite of climate change, which I find exactly. a very weird thing, thing to do. <laughs> I think that either way, we're going to be dealing with a large amount of loss, yes. which coincidentally is our next song, Loss by Birk. Um, 
Hope the, the listening audience enjoys it.
that was an absolutely fantastic song. Thank you very much, Zaki. By this is this is a song called "Loss" by Bjork, and it's a conversation between our inner optimist and pet and pessimist from her album Utopia 2017. Uh, I can also recommend the video very much. It's really really well made. Uh, you're listening to Student Radio Maastricht on RTV 107.5 FM from our new studios today in Bankastrat. Uh, and we're talking about SDGs, uh, that is the Sustainable Development Goals of the UN, which has been signed up by many countries, including the one we are in. Something like 197 countries, I think, uh, something like that. Nearly all of them. Nearly all of them. Yes. Uh, and yeah, we are we are not discussing like the the common narrative that you hear um, in, in the mainstream media, but more a slightly more critical uh, critical look onto the uh, onto the Sustainable Development Goals uh, with. Leon and Sophia in the studio with me. Um, yeah, so the next point I wanted to go towards is um, is ideas of uh, efficiency improvements, which is not entirely new. And I understand correctly, we are aware of the uh, of, of the Jevons paradox, which is one of my favorite, uh, let's say, ecological economic topics um, recently, uh, and especially joining me the brilliant students from Global Studies. Um, this is something you mentioned earlier as well, like efficiency improvements, you know, like to, if, when, when, when you make something more efficient, it, it uses up the resource, the energy resource faster. Mm-hmm. Like like uh, the coal question uh, published by uh, Javan, Stanley Javan. Uh, one of the things I wanted to address was uh, the idea of a renewable energy. Like, you know, when people, when, 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 we, when I hear things like, like solar and wind are renewable energies, which is kind of weird to me because the sun, it, it, is it renewable? Like if the sun goes and comes back, or a renewable as in it's not exhausted? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing is that only applies to either plants or solar panels, right? Like as far as we are concerned, the solar panel and wind turbines are not renewable sources of energy. They work on a non-exhaustible source of energy, but they themselves have to be replaced. And the one of the funny things I was reading recently was uh, well, funny uh, ironic things was recyclability of turbine blades. This has become, and it will continue to become, I think, quite a big problem very soon because these blades are not recyclable. Um, is, is this something <laughs> that, that concerns you? Is this something that... Um, I that actually saw a design about? for a wind turbine that did not use blades at all. So wow, it was just wow, basically a wiggling stick. Mm-hmm. Um, think these kinds of like technical improvements could help with it but it still doesn't change the fact that it's a 200 meter tall uh, tower that needs to be produced somehow yes 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 indeed like the the other thing was indeed the effect on society and on farmlands where the windmills are located yeah Yeah. but i think for us in global studies what we mainly address is that renewables are still the better option like if we look at the energy sector right now it's still in many countries based on fossil fuels and fossil fuels like very very clearly push climate change and like carbon emissions to a point where it's like not even traceable anymore so i think that it's right now the discourse is more important to convince people that that's kind of the better option at like yeah or even nuclear instead of uh, uh, non-renewables from a German perspective, I don't know whether I'll agree because my country is now shutting down <laughs> <laughs> all of the nuclearers, but I think like it always depends on the perspective. But I think the first point or most important thing is that we get rid of coal because coal is very, very clearly a bad energy source. Yes, and that's impossible without nuclear unless we have like a global uh, trade network of 
uh, sustainable energy and that's uh, frankly not possible yet. Yeah, yes. Like Finland, where I'm from, mm. uh, we've con- actually used up all the like uh, hydropower possible. Um, and if we wanted to shut down the two nuclear reactors that we have in the country, we would have to include uh, one wind turbine every 14 meters on the coastline, which is like a thousand kilometers. So not necessarily the most sustainable option if you include the material costs of building those. Yeah. What do you think of like, if we talk about nuclear energy, what do you think of like things that happen like Fukushima or something like this argument that it's not really safe yet? Oh, to me, um, the, the concern is not about the nuclear plant exploding or going out of control or going into this, uh, how do you call this, this, this chain reaction, going out of control. Because, well, I have to say, from what I understood, most nuclear plants are water-cooled and that's a really bad design. There is one nuclear plant in the middle of US somewhere in the north, northwest, I can't remember, but that's got a salt cooling, which is like a million times better. Mm-hmm. So I'm not particularly concerned about um, safety. I think that could be addressed. What I'm more concerned with nuclear is getting the material and concentrating it. And I think that's where most of the emissions come from. And the other thing you mentioned about renewables is that I'm also now beginning to wonder if we will start channeling, let's say the so-called, within quotes, dirty energy, uh, purely to make clean energy, Mm -hmm. which in itself is a bit paradoxical. Uh. <laughs> yes, but a better use uh, of like what we're doing right now. Yeah, yes. and like yes. just to address like the safety question out of nuclear, like um, nuclear statistically is safer even with Fukushima or uh, Hiroshima fucking <laughs> nuclear accidents um, or uh, war counted in. Uh, there is still more reliable and uh, less polluting if you count in like the effects of coal and what that has on human health, like lung issues, etc. That kills more. But the long issues are also like, um, I mean, nuclear energy, if you live right through, like right next to a nuclear sector, then you're also in danger. I mean, yeah, it's also true. a problem that has to be considered. That's true. And what you said about like, uh, of course, nuclear reactors should probably not be built on volcanic ground. I think that would be a great start already. <laughs> um, like again, saying I'm from Finland and it's probably the safest like geographical placement, not geopolitical, um, on the planet, like very strong and sturdy, like ground rock that's tens of thousands of kilometers deep. So like, of course, concentrating this kind of uh, nuclear power to regions where it's actually safe from climate change effects is yeah probably a good idea. Let's not build it uh, yes. in the middle of London. Uh, one, one of the things I'm, I feel that I'm a bit missing out of the UN Sustainability Development Goals for uh, clean energy was was the idea of like centralized versus decentralized uh, electricity generation, which I'm, I'm just bringing it up because it's something that I feel is, um, how, do you, how do you say, it's, it's sort of missing or like it fails to address like the, the general idea of a centralized electricity generation compared to say a more decentralized electricity generation. We will not go into the details of that. Uh, were there something else that you felt that the SDGs don't address? You mentioned earlier data. Yes, so anything like related to the digital space. Uh, data privacy, uh, the EU is only catching up now to the problem. Uh, AI going to be a massive problem as we uh, regulate that and fast. Uh, f- 
All right. Yeah, technical stuff. Because cool. otherwise, companies will reach it first and abuse the rights, and then we'll get used to it, and then there is no mm. point of legislating it anymore. Yes, that is also one of the things, that one of the shortcomings. But I think now we are. Yeah, now it's about time. And it's about time to go to the next song. I yeah. think so. Yeah, um, the next song is "Death of Democracy" by Kula Shaker. Um, hope y'all enjoy. Kula Shaker with their awesome song The Death of Democracy from their album K2 in 2015. It's a really good band by the way. They have some really good songs as well. You tune in sometime. You listen to Student Radio Maastricht. We're still talking about sustainable development goals. Now, and the reason why I picked the song was actually I was thinking about the UN, right? Like so the, the way this, this body works, I understand, is one country one vote. So to me this sounds like you, you heard about homeopathy like the sugar pills? Yeah. Mm-hmm. With like tiny, 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 tiny amounts of active ingredient in there, which might not be in there. This is this this is what, so, so the UN reminds me, it sounds like the, the homeopathy of, of governance, of, of democracy. It's, this is where it ends. It's like 
yeah, there is no connection whatsoever between reality and what the UN sometimes proposes. Did, is this something, did, did you share this feeling? So is it? <laughs> I mean, one interesting thing that we found essentially, like after the uh, decolonization uh, era, right, the UN realized that, oh, we're actually going to be overpowered by the majority world. And so all economic prospects were suddenly moved to the World Trade Organization, which does not operate on the same principle of one country, one vote. Uh So then the minority world could still have the economic control. And with the UN, even like the whole being totally democratic kind of is ruined by the veto rights of five countries. Yeah, I mean, we're all aware that it's not a democratic institution but also like the governments behind that are also not all democratic that's a very like very perception of very the united true. nations so we can't have the assumption that the united nations are in any way democratic and the main thing which you just mentioned leon is the security council like what what <laughs> like why do like the the most powerful nations of the world have a veto right um because they wouldn't join if they wouldn't have it so it's kind of True. just basically yeah putting into like a picture into a council yeah I the mean, power anything, dynamics we have on our pl- on our planet yeah if anything the like rest uh, should be protected from the uh, main five true again. true true yeah it's, it sounds like they they the big five um yeah which is the name to the big five animals in South Africa by the way uh, so it, it looks like the big five is is cared for their own lives from the from the small ones the other thing i was wondering about is is about um about, about countries that are not part of the un like i think north korea i don't know afghanistan probably yeah, maybe, maybe they're not even like, aware they're part of the un no they but are <laughs> but i think like mainly failed states for example that don't like have a real government and government government anymore mm. for example somalia I think is considered as a failed state, as far as I know. Which one? Uh, I think Somalia, but so I'm Somalia. Yeah. Somalia. Not sure. Okay. I'm not sure about it, but I think, hmm. yeah, especially when there is like no authority that could go to the United Nations. Yeah. Right. No, I mean maybe they could have their own sustainable development goals as well. Maybe it's maybe it's even better than the UN. Um, probably. Probably. It wouldn't be very hard to be honest. <laughs> but yeah. So yeah. Um, Zaki. I don't know. I mean, it just sounds very interesting to me with all this discussion because I know for me, like coming from the United States, like like the United States, like literally has a literally literally has a law that's like, oh yeah, we cannot like no one from the United States can actually be taken in front of the uh, an international criminal court, for example. You what? Know? Yeah, you cannot. Yeah, so like the so like the, like the United States has a law that if like someone is if like someone if someone from the United States is taken to in front of the international criminal court, the United States can do basically whatever it does to get them out of there. <clears throat> Yeah, so the U.S. president, for example, cannot be tried for war crimes in the ICC. Yeah, because the United States are not the part of the ICC. I think they, yeah, I right, probably not. Um, I mean, they like they 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 are part of it, but they object to cer- they object to like very specific things, and they're like, yeah, so like we're part of it, but like not really. And I find it, I just find it very, I find it very interesting because I mean, like the United States is just. I mean, even being somewhat partially included included in that is better than not signing the. Uh, convention for uh, children's rights or literally any other uh, major convention that we've had in the past few decades. And, and that also then brings me to one last concern I have is that of human rights. So as we mentioned earlier that there could be some 
let's say compromise um, or fallouts during the process of, of sustainable development. So do you reckon this could impinge on human rights in certain ways? Or um, like, for example, your right to, to travel because, you know, traveling causes pollution. Oh, that's a good note because right now we're studying migration actually in our study. Um, and we talked something about something that is called the Global Compact on Migration. So this basically defines who is a migrant, which rights migrants have, who is a refugee, everything basically. It's non-binding, but it's like a very important document in that sense concerning migration. But... The thing is that human rights are not reflected as they are like or as they should normally be uh, in the GCM, like the Global Compact on Migration. So, for example, well, well, can, can you repeat that, please? Global okay, GCM so is like global GCM, Global Compact on Migration. And the thing that we learned now study about it is that, for example, rights of the LGBTQ community are not reflected in the GCM. They are in the human rights, but they are not in this document. So basically, they just left them out. Like an entire community is basically not mentioned there. I, I also wonder if, if the if the gypsy community is in there, because their their entire lifestyle is based on migration. I mean, um, and, and fairly so. Right? I mean, we have legs for a reason. Um, I sometimes wonder would would the ideal case scenario would be for us to to grow I roots. I think nomads uh, or nomadic uh, yeah. lifestyle was mentioned there somewhere. It's mentioned, but like in general, it's like a document that is like from a legal perspective, not really complete and not really like suiting the human rights mm. we normally agreed on. And I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's not even structured like uh, suggestions for laws or anything but objectives, seeming more like a pro school project rather than actually like something to use in legal terms. Still yeah. can be used as this opinio juris, right? These countries have signed it, so technically they should abide by the rules. That's the one good thing out of the document. Yeah, but I mm. guess the biggest problem that we have on a global level right now is that we don't have an authority that really enforces this. Like states say that they will like apply like on the state level or like on a nation state level in the jurisdiction. But if you don't do it, like who will do something about it? Would, yes. it, would it be desirable to have a global authority? Because that is also something I feel a lot of the ideas of governance is going towards, is going away from local governance to more global governance. Is that, is, that, is, is that good? Is that bad? Is that dangerous? With a realistic attitude, big? who is going to be in the power of that? It's going to be the United States. <laughs> so <laughs> based purely on that, I would say no. But again, enforcement of some kind also could be nice. So a bit of a mixed feelings about that. Definitely. Well, on this, well, actually now time to go to our next song and then we're approaching the end of the hour. So yeah, our next song um, is Bob Dylan. Subterranean Homesick Blues. Hope y'all enjoy. John is in the basement mixing up the medicine. I'm on the pavement thinking about the government. The man in a trench coat, bad job laid off. Says he's got a bad cough, wants to get it paid off. Look out, kid, it's something you did. God knows when, but you're doing it again. You better duck down the alleyway. Looking for a new friend, a man in a coonskin cap in a pig pen wants eleven dollar bills. You only got ten. Maggie comes fleet foot, face full of black soot, talking at the heat, put plants in the bed, but phone's tapped anyway. Maggie says the many say they must bust an early man. Orders from the DA. Look out, kid, don't matter what you did. But walk 
Subterranean Homesick Blues by Bob Dylan from his album Bringing It All Back Home in 1965. An awesome song and also a very good video. Uh, we're talking about sustainable development goals. We have discussed what's trying to be sustained and what's trying to be de- developed, kinda. Uh, and also, yeah, indeed, a lot of the threats and dangers of this kind of approach. One one of the things I'm uh, one of the things I would like to address now is the the so-called uh, purpose-built natural habitat. Is this is something I feel that could very well happen because of this approach is to have everything that we need. Let's say the most ideal case scenario, right, would be to have everything that we need right around in my backyard, including a mango tree. But I don't know with global warming. One day, <laughs> yes. Do, do in ten years, you'll see. In ten see. years, it might it might well be possible. <laughs> it is definitely purpose built for me. Uh, then yeah, if, I mean, because I like mangoes. We enjoy it. Then Northern Europe might actually be habitable also in winter. Well, more pro- more, yeah. But probably not the Netherlands. I'm very sorry. <laughs> and not not just for us. I think then we will also have, let's say, mosquitoes. Um, because it's also habitable for them because they don't their eggs don't die off in the winter or the larvae don't die off in the winter mm-hmm. which yeah is something i ran away from and i don't know who is controlling immigration here but they shouldn't be looking at just humans because these mosquitoes are really um really bugging me as well yeah i mean we live in a global pandemic we're seeing it right now yeah true true mm-hmm. true mosquitoes are global malaria problem, pandemic <laughs> looking forward to the next one i mean at least we've had our practice rounds you know uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Dealing with pandemics, that will be then maybe a bit easier. Absolutely. I don't know. I My know. backup plan is moving to uh, Iceland. <laughs> Blessed to be an EU citizen. Do you speak any Icelandic? Because I know that's a very difficult language. Uh, no, but I do speak Swedish. And you like Ooh, Bjork? Nice. Yes. So oh, that's already said. You know, all good, all good. <laughs> you're basically already. You basically. You're basically fine. You'll be. You'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely. Yes. And I'm pale enough to, you know, also just sneak myself in, blend into an iceberg or something, especially in the winter. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, oh, by the way, the, the other day I did hear the, I forgot the, in fact, I didn't forget, I really can't pronounce the name of the head of the UN. Uh, but he did say that there will most likely be an increase in, he didn't put it like this exactly, but in, an increase in surveillance, uh, like, yeah, I also feel this could be something, but not like surveillance as in physical cameras, but more like surveillance in the form of um, tracking your money. So if you're using, say, 
AE Euro. Um, so not, a, let's say, a digital version of the Euro. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm wondering if, if tracking becomes easier because it's if it's fully open source, if everyone can see, then the person with the right tools uh, can definitely see. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's uh, somewhat dystopian, but then again, you already uh, use happily like cards. So I don't see really see like the next step from yeah. that. I mean, you did again the, already. The, the if you have the right tools, yeah. uh, all your information is already tracked. Oh yeah, and, like yeah, we yeah. all carry. Well, with the ex- exception of you, Shiam, uh, we do carry the microchips handily in the form of a phone. And, true, uh, true. Uh, backs of our pockets. So, uh, like I don't know. To me, it seems that privacy in this day and age is kind of a lie. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly, I, I agree. I mean, that's kind of like the whole thing that, like, when people when people are like, "Oh, well, there's a microchip in the vaccine," I'm like, "Like, you carry a phone, <laughs> you have a cell phone in your pocket, you have a chip in your, you, you carry a chip with you, you already have a chip." So, I mean, also, Karen, you're not that important. Yeah, and by the way, guys, go get vaccinated, please. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a quick advertisement. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's free at the Mac. I didn't have to pay anything for it. Anyone can get an appointment right at this point. So yeah, and then we can party too. That would be yes. that would be good. Should we give a quick blurb for the next hour because that's very much on the topic. So in the next hour, we will be zooming off into 2032, around 11 years into the future, and looking back at the at the SDGs. Um, yeah. As for cultural agenda, I know that there is a party in the LBB on the 25th. A party while well, there's a concert with three bands, at least three bands, all from the region, so around Maastricht, also Belgium. So nice. yes, uh, if, if, if you're in town, I would definitely recommend it. Awesome. Well, um, we're closing the hour now with the song Controversy by Prince. Classic song. I hope you all enjoy it as much as I do. Um, yep. Uh, thank you. Thank you, RTP, for hosting, for, for letting us use your space, and thank you for listening in. Yeah. Hope you all enjoy the next hour. <laughs>